The Tech It Up Talk podcast aspires to educate, inform, and inspire educators from teachers to school leaders on tips, tools, and resources to support the integration of technology into classroom instruction. You ready? Here we go. You're listening to Tech It Up Talk with Dr. Mack, your host with the most passion for supporting educators from teachers to school leaders with the integration of technology into instruction. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of having Miss Katie Fielding, who is always excited to talk about ways to integrate technology into the classroom. And of course, that is my kind of educator to have in my personal learning network. After 13 years in the classroom as a science teacher, Kitty transitioned to the role of an instructional technology coach at a high school in Woodbridge, Virginia. And in this position, she quickly found her niche in sharing instructional practices with her colleagues and was selected as the Virginia Society for Technology and Education Coach of the Year in 2019. She takes joy in building capacity in others and so that they can fully participate in the digital world. And not only is she an awesome coach, she is also a Google certified innovator, trainer, coach, as well as a Canvas certified educator. So she is definitely someone to have in your educator network. And I have the pleasure of having her here today on the Tech It Up Talk podcast to grace us with her knowledge and her passion for student learning needs. So I would like to give a warm welcome to my special guest, Miss Katie Building. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Mack. Oh, I am. Today. <laughs> yes, I'm excited to ha- have you here. So how are you doing today? I am good. It is, you know, I guess midsummer, end of summer almost. Ooh, that's scary, <laughs> but true. Um, yeah, and so just ready to get back and, you know, help my teachers get into our our new uh, new normal or whatever we're going to call this fall. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but you know, look, I'm just glad to have you here and that we were able to connect because, you know, I have the pleasure of serving in the Houston area Alliance of Black School Educators and. Uh, we hosted a professional development um, on becoming the blueprint and I attended your session, which was phenomenal. So I immediately knew that I just had to have you as a guest. And then uh, we crossed paths again on Clubhouse. And I just want to say that I love the work that you're doing and it's very inspiring. And I'm just glad to be a part of your learning network. And I hope that our listeners today can also um, gain some knowledge from your expertise and experience. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, um, I just definitely want to help teachers, um, you know, be the best that they can be because everyone has um, something to offer, and I hope that they see that in themselves. Yes, I love it. Um, and and for the goal for this episode is really for us to discuss um, best practices for leveraging technology to support accessibility and also promoting students as creators. And so in this episode, we're going to discuss these best practices for instruction and pedagogy to inspire other teachers and leaders in today's digital age. And as we know, COVID-19 has had such a major impact for so many educators around the country, around the world, but our work is important as educators and it continues. Um, And it's important for us to provide effective learning experiences for our students. So your knowledge and your experience and your advocacy can support and inform other educators to enhance their instructional practices. And so I'm going to just start with you kind of sharing with us, what is accessibility in education and why is it important for us as educators? 
Um, yeah, so many people think when they hear accessibility, they think, oh, are we providing students resources? But what I'm really more sharing is to make sure that those resources, even if you're providing them to students, that they are accessible for all people despite any disabilities. So if you have any hearing impairments, visual impairments, um, motor, motor, motor skill issues, um, no matter what you have, that you can access and utilize those digital uh, content pieces that teachers are providing. Um, so this is so important because it's it's one, it's a legal requirement. It's part of the ADA is that we have to provide, um, you know, accessible materials. Uh, and I think teachers, you know, we are the original content creators. Um, all these kids, they think they want to be, you know, they're your YouTube and they're content creators. But teachers, we've been doing this forever. We've been creating content for an audience. We know how to do it. And now we just really need to tweak that practice a little bit and make sure that we're making sure our audience is as wide as possible. Um, because we've really seen this past year that our audience is more than just the students in our class. So we maybe have those caregivers at home that we're also, you know, educating by proxy and they're helping their students. Um, so we need to make sure, you know, even if grandma's at home and she has a hearing loss, that the, the video is accessible to her because she can read the captions. Um, so really just making sure the content we're creating is available to all. And, you know, that is extremely important and it definitely is um, something that we all should consider in everything we do, even um, outside of the classroom, the campus, uh, how we uh, present information on our website, um, in, in all areas to make knowledge accessible and learning accessible for all. Now, I know just from supporting teachers that they're often challenged with being able to uh, do all the things that they're required to and then make sure that they're fulfilling the needs of others. So what are some things that you feel teachers are challenged with in planning and designing um, accessible content, resources, or learning for students? Yeah, I think it's always the same two things it comes down to, time and training, right? So people really feel like, you know, adding that accessibility piece, that's gonna be another layer of time. Uh, but I think if they have that training to know those uh, principles, the accessibility principles, which is what I try to share when I present, um, they can know those, they can build that development, the accessibility piece into things as they do it. And it's not a thing to tack on at the end. It's not a thing to add at the end. It's something that they just build, have these skills to do as they're creating. And so that's what I try and share with teachers. Um, you know, as you're creating videos, um, how to add those captions and get them auto-generated and then play away how you can edit them because accuracy is important. Or as you're creating a document, how to do the alternate text for those students that can't see it. So just knowing the principles, I think that training piece and just the, um, you know, understanding what needs to be done, that way they can do it as they do it instead of a, a final end piece, not like a post-production editing, it should be at, in the process. Right. Yeah. And some of that, I think some of the challenges are that the digital skills is kind of, um, I guess, impairing some of our teachers to, uh, I guess, be challenged with doing it more often or they see themselves being doing. So what can, how can it become a part of their natural process? So where should they start or scaffold this into their instruction? Yeah, you're not going to be able to do, know all the principles and do them overnight. So like anything, you need to have balance in your um, in your process and try the most important things first. So things that I always try and get teachers to do first is accurate captioning on the videos that they create and then the alternate text um, for any images that they use. These are two really good practices that I think not just teachers should use, but we should also be teaching our students to do. 
Um, Cause students and a lot of our younger students do this innately. If you watch any TikToker, they already have the captions. They are doing it. They want their content to be accessible and open to, to all users. So they really have that, you know, that sense of urgency in themselves to share with everyone and not prevent anyone um, from accessing their content. They don't want to build any barriers. So we as teachers just also need to do the same thing. And um, I think the captions and the alt text are, are the first two that I always uh, point teachers to focusing on. Well, you're using alt text, and I know there's some teachers out there that may not know what that means. Can you yeah. explain what is alt text? Yeah, so alt text means alternate text. And this would be a, a, a text that would be read aloud to a user, particularly a user using a screen reader. Um, and this text would allow that person who can't see the image on the screen or on the page uh, to understand what the image is, why it's on the page, what's the context and the function of that image. So for instance, if it's a famous work of art, it may just be the title of the work of art, the name of the author or the creator and the year. But for some other things like memes, if there's any text on that image, that needs to be on the alt text so that the person who can't see that image knows all of the text and the connotation of that meme on the page. Right, so that means that if we just post pictures onto a website or into your learning management system that has words in it, that it's not accessible for everyone to read and that that text needs to also be available to them outside of the image. All right, well, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah, and so how can instructional and school leaders, because I think leadership is very important in supporting this, because sometimes we put a lot on teachers um, to be able to do a variety of skills, but how can our instructional and our school leaders help support teachers um, with the accessibility of instruction for all learners? Yeah, I think one, they need to model it in the things that they do and they create, because sometimes, um, you know, administrators also don't know these roles. So they need to one, get trained themselves and start practicing and modeling, and then provide that support um, for teachers to implement it, either training or um, someone in the school who can be that accessibility uh, leader and that expert who can be the go-to person that teachers could talk to. Right, yeah, I and mean, you know, often I find when I'm supporting campuses that that work is often delegated to special education services, but it's like, it's, it kind of stops there. And, um, and then they kind of overload with different cases. And so it's not always um, culturally throughout the entire system. So I like the fact that you're sharing that our leaders to also model some of these expectations and they may not be aware. And so kind of getting in tune to um, how you can uh, model these uh, practices for teachers to become a part of their norm for instruction. And it becomes a lot easier to process and uh, implement when it's a part of the culture in the campus. So yeah, thank 100%. you. Yeah, 100%. It, should, it shouldn't take a, a deaf teacher or blind teacher being on staff for these things to, to be in the works. It shouldn't be, oh, we now have this person on staff who needs these accommodations. Just like it shouldn't be, oh, we have this person in our classroom who needs these accommodations. It should just be a standard practice. You're right. You know, if someone like myself, I like, like when I'm watching videos, sometimes it's hard for me to um, read or hear what they're saying or what they're explaining. So the captions actually, even though they're speaking in English, it helps reiterate what they're saying. And I can go back and kind of, oh, okay, now I kind of understand it. So it's something about, I don't know, but seeing it for me and hearing it at the same time, um, actually adds an extra layer of my processing for that information. So it, I think it's for everyone and that's gonna oh, lead us. Yeah, which leads us into our next question. So like there's one framework that is widely used to make learning inclusive 
and transformative and that is the universal design for learning and also known as UDL if you've never heard of it before. So can you explain to our listeners uh, what is the UDL framework, its relevance, and how can technology be used to support that into instruction? Yeah, so the UDL framework is developed by CAST, um, and they are an organization who's done lots of research into brain science and and how this works in the classroom. So it's all very research-based. In contrast to differentiated instruction, which is what a lot of teachers are familiar with, differentiated instruction is more reactionary to a specific student or individual student's need. Whereas UDL is more proactive, planning for all possible barriers to learning that your lesson may, um, may have built in. And those barriers could be emotional barriers, they could be accessibility barriers. Um, so just accounting for when you're planning, think about, okay, what might be a barrier in this lesson and how can I overcome that before I even do the lesson and before I even consider any specific student needs in the class. So the variability of all students, you know, whether they, they didn't sleep the night before um, or, and they had a bad night's sleep, they're sick today, they, you know, have a lot going on at home. Um, all of those things can play into how a student is learning that day. And if we plan to remove all barriers for all students and give students options and choices of how they receive mm. and share their information, we're going to have a much better experience for all students. Right, right. So, you know, the UDL guidelines are categorized into these three categories. So we have the engagement, which is the why for learning, uh, representation, which is the what of learning, and then this last part, action and expression, which you kind of lean toward on the choice piece of the how of learning. And for me, uh, the action and expression area is where students can really thrive as creators, uh, which I know that is another area that you're passionate about. Um, and so we can kind of transition in I think as an extension to UDL, student creativity um, is relevant to supporting, uh, giving students options in the classroom, a student choice and building student agency. And so why do you feel it's important for us to support and promote student creativity or students just as creators? Yeah, so one, it does fall also into that engagement piece. Having students engage with an authentic experience, something that's relevant to their lives, they're gonna have a, a, a lot more engagement with the content that way. So if they're engaged um, emotionally with what they're gonna be doing, if they're happy about it, um, they're gonna engage more with the content, which is ultimately what we want them to learn. And then also just like, we want them to also build those 21st century skills and creative projects have a lot of those. So the collaboration piece, communication piece, um, we want them to learn all of those things in addition to our content. And so allowing them to do creative endeavors is a great way to utilize and build those skills. Right, right. And so uh, what do you feel affects some teachers from designing that as a part of their instruction and providing those opportunities for students? I think one, definitely um, lack of being comfortable with the different tool options. Um, so needing some training or support from a coach um, on those tools is essential. And then also maybe feeling a little bit of lack of control. And I've been in the classroom a long time. And so I've, you know, you feel that sometimes that you, you're in the front of the room and you want to like have a little more control. You have 30, 35 bodies, maybe 40 bodies in the room. And you kind of need to, you know, uh, make things efficient for you grading wise. And because um, time, is, time is important. Um, so all of those things that just play into the classroom management part of teaching 
feel a little less controlled with creativity. And so I think just sharing and um, or learning some ways to to be more efficient in the grading process and the feedback process can help mm -hmm. teachers feel more comfortable bringing creativity into their classroom. You know, and I found I find that a lot of campuses too, depending on what type of school it is, um, put a lot of attention on standardized testing, and they're so focused on trying to ensure that the standards of the test are being um, covered um, that we don't have time to always implement um, those opportunities for our students to be creators. And uh, but what I do know is, and, and this has happened for for so for so long. But I do know is when teachers have uh, taken the time to try, maybe the test is over. You know, we went through testing season and now it's the end of the school year. We, we want to try new things. When they realize that they try something new like this, like giving choice or having students create things, um, that they were pleasantly surprised at the level of work, level of products uh, that they were given from students. Um, and the, the, the technology piece, like some of them didn't want to use a tool because they weren't comfortable with it enough, right? Um, but they found that uh, they didn't have to be and that their students were inquisitive on their own and would surprise you when they have the option to create and choose um, how they represent their learning. And so I completely agree. So yeah, I love that. Yeah, and which brings me to this next question. So what are some ways that we can use technology support uh, our students in being creators and um, as teachers, I guess, in to support our students as creators? Yeah, I think um, I like to, you know, hopefully your school has a little money to invest in some of these tools so that students can have access to them. So that's an important, you know, first step. Um, there's some really great free tools out there um, if your school doesn't have money for that. So Canva for Education and Adobe Spark for Education, both are free for schools to get. Um, so just having students have access to the tools is one important thing for helping their creativity. Um, but also just, um, you know, giving them the space and the time for it. And that is another thing with the standardized testing. We always feel so rushed for time and getting it all in. And I think if if we're able to kind of step back from that just a little bit and give them some more space and time to create that, that the, like you said, the teachers will be really surprised and happy with the outcomes of what the students have created and showing what they've learned. And so we can actually move into our next segment of the show, which I like to call Get Your Tech Together. So it's time for you guys to get your tech together with Miss Katie Fielding. And in this segment of the show, I would like for her to share some of her must-have tools that she feels that other educators should have in their digital toolbox. Yes. All right. So my number one tool that I would recommend is for you to utilize the accessibility checker in whichever tool you're using. So if you're in Office 365, Microsoft District, in, in Word, in PowerPoint, there is the accessibility checker in the review panel. So at the top of your menu bar, you'll see review and then you'll see accessibility check. That will lead you through checking that document for all accessibility issues. So utilize that. If you're a Google District, there is a Google add-on that you can add to slides, sheets, and docs called Grackle Docs. The so Grackle, like the type of bird. Um, Grackle Docs is an add-on and they will tell you all the things that need to be edited um, for accessibility in your Google Documents. And then lastly, as far as accessibility, color is also a consideration. And so I really love color.adobe.com and they have two accessibility tools for color. 
One is a contrast tool. So if you're making social media graphics for your school's uh, Twitter or Facebook, you really wanna make sure that any text you put on that graphic has a good contrast between the background color. And if you put the two hex codes, and a hex code is that six digit code for a color on the internet, you put those into this tool, it will tell you if the contrast ratio is strong enough and that those two colors should be good in a visual sense for um, that, that image. Um, the other color tool that they have is great is for color blindness. And you can see what a graphic or color palette would look like for someone who has th the three different types of color blindness. So any accessibility checkers are my go-to must have technology tool for accessibility. And what about students as creators? So what kind of tools can teachers incorporate um, in their classroom to support students as being creators? So some of my favorite tools, I already mentioned Adobe Spark, um, that allows students to create videos, web, small web pages, and um, a graphic post. I love that one. Um, my other favorite one, especially with accessibility of mine, is Book Creator. So students with Book Creator can make books, they can do, um, they can speak into the microphone and it will voice type for them. It can also translate into many languages. Um, and so the, the accessibility features in that are just A1. There's so many accessibility features for that tool, I can't even mention them now, but I highly recommend checking out Book Creator if you haven't. Oh yes, I love, you know what? I actually just recently got my daughter, she's six now, um, into Book Creator and so she's excited and she's still learning to read. And so what's exciting is that uh, she started this last pandemic in, at five years old in kinder and she learned how oh. to do the speech text to read what she yeah. wanted her to say. So she may not know how to have uh, spell the words specifically for everything, but she was able to uh, do that and then customize her little unicorn story. And so, but I, I love it. I think it's a great idea for whatever level. She's in elementary, but I can see it still being used uh, on the secondary level to express your writing and to be proud of your work. And then I like that you can end with uh, printing your own copy of your own book. You can share it with parents. You know, a lot of times we have work that our teachers do with our students in class and it just stays there. You know, it's nothing that you can do with mm -hmm. it. Um, you can just, you know, go, you grade it and, and you're done. But this gives uh, our students opportunities to showcase their talents and showcase their creativity and put it into a portfolio and use it as a skill set that can help them for college or post-secondary uh, um, job world. Um, and so it's so many different things. So thank you for sharing those. Yeah. And so, our last segment of the show is the Tech Smackdown. And here we just end the show with uh, your top tips for teachers. And so I would like to hear from our listeners on which tip you thought Miss Katie Golden Day was the best. And so you can do that by connecting with the Tech It Up Talk podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Tech It Up Talk. So Katie, can you please share your top tips for our educators to walk away with? I totally can. So I have three tips, one for each part of the UDL framework. So my first one is an engagement um, tip. Create a movie trailer for your course. We're about to start the beginning of the school year. Create a movie trailer of all the things students are going to learn in your course this year to get that engagement at the beginning of the year and get them excited and uh, understanding what they're going to be learning. Uh, so that's number one, create a trailer for your course. Um, I love using Canva for this. They have a, actually a um, piece of music called Video Blockbuster Trailer. And that one makes a really hyped trailer music, just like you're an action star. Um, all right, tip number two is for representation. 
So remember those captions. I love to use Flipgrid Shorts to record my short instructional videos. They do auto caption and I can edit the captions right in that tool. And then they can embed in your LMS so nicely. So captions, making sure you auto generate and then edit. Um, you can do the same thing in YouTube or Canvas Studio if your school has that or several other tools, but I love Flipgrid Shorts because it is free for all educators. Also, yes. um, those shorts are limited to 10 minutes, so you cannot be maxing out on that video because you should not be putting any video longer than six minutes in your course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the last one is for that action and expression and it is choice boards. So I love Genially. So Genially, you can create interactive graphics, but you can create a choice board in a Google slide or any other type of graphic image that you want to create. And I just like to give students choices and I have my choice boards actually lead so if they pick the video option on the choice board, it leads them to a wakelet with all the directions of how to use that tool. And so it leads the students to the directions of how to use whatever tool they're picking for whatever they choose that they want to make. So it, I make those for my teachers because it helps take um, away that a bit of that fear of how to use, like, I'm going to give my kids all these choices, but I don't know how to use all these tools great. So I've created those things to help them. So maybe um, you can use mine. I'm glad to share them or um, I'm sure no, you could use that same idea to make your own. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Katie. And so before you, um, you go, can you share with our listeners how they can connect with you and be a part of your network? Of course. Um, I'm on Twitter at, um, at Katie F. And I just love to connect with you there. All right, you guys, I connected with her um, and we're, you know, the pandemic kind of, I guess, brought us together in <laughs> through a PD and we're in different places. And I've learned so much just from connecting with her. So follow her on Twitter, um, your Instagram, you're on Clubhouse. Um, and so, yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, so just connect with her. Uh, she's definitely has a great uh, resource. She also has a website full of resources. So you want to share your website with us as well? Yeah, katiefielding.com. <laughs> Not too far away. <laughs> yeah, um, it's very aesthetically uh, appealing too. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I love the colors. Um, but thank you again, Katie, for joining me today. It was a pleasure to have you on the Take It Up Talk podcast. And I hope that we can have another project together. Awesome. I would love that. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Tech It Up Talk podcast with Dr. Mack, your host with the most passion for supporting educators on using and implementing technology. Be sure to connect with me on the Tech It Up Talk Facebook page and Twitter and Instagram at Tech It Up Talk or at Dr. J.E. McDonald. Now, I know teching may not always be easy, but it sure is fun.